0: Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect, hit record, pour their discussions into a beaker, mix thoroughly, and voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate, and even irreverent, that count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky
1: Hello, and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. And like always, we try and find the most fascinating people inside and outside the world of human resources to talk to you about what's going on with HR data, analytics, and HR technology. Today, we have with us Larry Donovan from Namely. Hello, Larry.
2: Hey, David. Thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. And as always, I have my friend and compadre, Dwight Brown from Salary.com. Hey, Dwight. Hey, David. Hey, Larry. So, Larry, I know that you're the CEO of Namely, but why don't you give us a little bit of background as to who you are and how you got to this place?
2: Sure. I am the CEO of Namely. I've been here for almost three years. My claim to fame is the only thing in life I can claim to be an expert on is HR technology after 35 years in this industry. I started in classic customer-facing functions, and then I spent about 20 years in product management and engineering, and then uh, spent about five years leading sales teams, primarily at Ceridian, leading up to our IPO in 2018. And at that time, I decided it was time to go for the gold and be a CEO. So I left and spent about a year as the interim CEO at a company called Mineral, a mm-hmm. compliance software company for with, on whose board I still chair. and joined Namely in 2019, so here I am Very living a cool. life in New York City.
1: There you go. Gotta love New York. One quick question. Agile development, love it or hate
2: it? I'd say love it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. Good. And you know, listen, I managed COBOL programmers, so you know there was nothing agile about that.
1: Wait, wait, wait! You manage COBOL programmers now?
2: No, no, I did, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he, I did he it doesn't until work like for the government. He doesn't work for the government. <laughs> yeah, I did it until like 2011. Let's not. Wow. Fool oh, hey, you know they they still have some legs. Yes, they do. <laughs> but Larry, just like everyone else who's ever been on the HR Data Labs podcast, we need one fun thing that no one else on Earth knows about you.
2: Well, that no one else on Earth knows would be a until story until right now. Until yeah. right now, yeah, uh, yeah. All right, the one, the one, and probably nobody even understands this, unless you're, you know, at least fifty. Is that in college I was the president of the Rulalenska fan club. And Rula Lenska was a famous Swedish actress who was famous for her commercials about wandering around London. And somehow, in college, wow. I got infatuated with this woman. And, there you uh, go. Well, led her fan club.
1: We we all do strange things in college, but I will admit that one's pretty good. I, I actually like that one.
2: <laughs> obscure at a minimum.
1: Definitely obscure. Yeah. But although I love London, and uh, yes, I, I will tell you that that I would probably have fallen in love with her too because I'm a Londonite.
2: There
1: you go. So today's topic is fascinating because we're going to be talking about how HR technology is solved in the mid-market or what problems are mid-market firms facing and how HR technology can help. So Larry, the first question for you is, What are the major business problems that face the mid-market company and why is that different from enterprise sized companies or small businesses?
2: Yeah, it's a great it's a it's one of my favorite topics these days because I've dedicated the last three years to kind of really Fully understanding um, what I what I, the way I describe a mid-market customer, which is important. Mm-hmm. Think of it loosely in companies that have between fifty and three hundred employees. And here's what's special about those businesses: they're big enough that they've started to inherit some of the real complexity in HR technology, mm-hmm. but they're way too small to do it with you know, without without friction. Right. And so I, I always like to say that you know first of all. It's rare when one of these companies has more than three or four people in HR and zero people dedicated to technology and nobody whose job it is to know how the system needs to work. So the only time these customers understand about technology is just in time. And what does that mean? Well, it means that they're never going to be deep experts on the technology. So you're always going to be talking to them about the how-to stuff in the application. They have to figure it out as it comes. And if you bring them a product that's too complex to configure, they'll give up in in, in frustration. So the balance between complexity and the simplicity of the functionality is really, really important because they can't figure out how to use it every day uh, when they have to make a change.
1: But But... But in terms of the business problem, which is uh, I think a little bit different than the user experience and the the thing that HR is trying to solve for, which is how do I get my job done? The business problem that mid-market companies face is pressures from the top as well as pressures from small businesses. Right? You know, you you get some pressures to grow and and try and stay mid-sized is tough, but you also get competition issues with either big box stores if you're retail or if you're a restaurant you know how do you not grow to two different sites or whatever staying mid-market is tough in and of itself from the business perspective isn't it as a as a as an owner
2: well, and even more so in the last couple of years because you can add all those classic business activities and on top of it, how many CEOs have walked into the office or on a Zoom call said to the head of people who has maybe two people, oh, by the way, go deal with DEI, go deal right. with Black Lives Matter, go deal with the mm-hmm. pandemic. But I think, you know, from a broader business perspective, you know, the, they, they all face the same challenges. It's just about scale, you know? So if you're growing fast, of course, the number one thing that the business owner, the CEO cares about, is you know hiring and retention and yet there's all these other dynamics that are required to keep the business operating you know a great example is with the move to remote work on average our customers are in 42% more states than they were 2 years ago Sure. you don't think about that you just like well let these people go remote it's going to keep them around it's the way the world is changing right um, but then all of a sudden you got all these all these compliance headings right.
1: <laughs> reporting <laughs> issues and taxation exactly. Issues. And exactly now now you're dealing with different municipalities with different laws and regulations and potentially licensing issues yep tax notices
2: are a nightmare for customers <laughs> right now
1: right <laughs> um, right and not even you're not even getting into things that that actually happen when you start having remote people like garnishments, you know, in all those different municipalities or other issues. So, yes, tax makes things tough. And, you know, I'm not we're not getting into a political discussion here, but the government tried to make it a little easier, but they really didn't make it easier. They said it was going to be easier, but it actually never went that way, really. I mean, it was it was more about kind of the holidays on taxation rather than the actual changing of the tax code itself.
2: Oh, they made it more complex, at least yeah. temporarily. Right? Yeah, I mean, what what companies like ours went through to make sure our customers could stay on top of things during COVID was insane, you know. And then, and then, and then again, not getting political, somebody wanted to stop withholding FICA taxes.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, kind of well, didn't like mean it was that they weren't to... due. It just meant you we weren't going to withhold them, and people didn't understand. Right. Them
2: right exactly
1: well didn't they thought that they were going to get away with that and then all of a sudden it it wasn't really april but it was when their taxes were due they had a shock oh my gosh i actually owe money and i never owe money or i i'm getting less (laughs) and i thought i was going to be able to invest in another piece of furniture or or a vacation for my family yeah yep surprise Yes, yeah. surprise. surprise. Not surprised. <laughs> but but it, ostensibly, I agree with you around the business problem that the mid-market has to face. It's, it's a little bit of a mentality issue of we're not a small business anymore. We actually, it's not like we're just going to just share hats. We have specializations we have to deal with. And how does technology, how does HR technology help us solve that problem becomes different. We're not on QuickBooks anymore. We're going right. from QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. We're graduating. And now when we graduate... What headaches are we going to adopt versus what business problems we're going to solve with this? And you're trying to deal with changing culture at the same time. Because as you're going in that, you know, you've got that corporate culture that's got to keep up. And how, how do you keep the technology abreast of that? It's it's a lot to deal with all at the same time, right?
2: Well, and they, and they mimic what organizations are trying to do in the enterprise. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the same stuff. It's just on a smaller scale, but that doesn't make it magically less complex. Right. You know, and, you know, a great example of that is around analytics and, you know, what you can do and how you can do it and how you can make meaningful decisions from it. And and, and in fairness, at times as well, I think some mid-market customers will get wrapped around kind of the, the you know, the, the esoterics of it when, in fact, they need a more pragmatic view of it. You know, there, it goes, you see it in both sides of the continuum, in my view.
1: Although I really wish, and I think I've ha- actually had the opportunity to speak to a lot of mid sized companies about adoption of standards around analytics, where, you know, just take the turnover rate the way it's given to you by exactly CM and just deal with it. Yep. Yes, you may have had a corporate exposure corporate culture before where turnover was calculated a different way. Okay, well, you can't afford that right now. You're getting it's getting handed to you, so deal with it.
2: Yep. Good luck with that.
1: <laughs> you know, you, know, you know sometimes sometimes you can be successful with that and sometimes you can't and yep. what i like to do especially with the mid-sized companies that i work with is show them how standardization helps them especially if the companies they're working with provide benchmarking or other things that are benefits to them
2: yep. remember back when jack fitzends had all those metrics that he decided oh, yeah. so i tried to build an analytics product i'm not joking 20 years ago that used those and I thought it was the best idea ever because we, we actually built to his, his formulas in the last five minutes. Now, that was yeah. enterpro- more, more skewed to enterprise in fairness.
1: Yeah. But. but but Larry, I mean, even I, I built an analytics product, I guess it's now seven years ago. And still, there are companies who are kind of fighting back or pushing them back against the SHRM standard that exists mm-hmm. for metric. Mm-hmm. So I, I hear you. And it, it's gotten better. But the adoption of one standard, I think, is a little bit of a fallacy. The good news is is that people are starting to look at them. The bad news is is that either if they've made up their mind, then they have to go kind of more custom, not off the shelf, like a lot of others can't afford to do the the custom. So they have to buy off the shelf. Well, let's face it. I mean, companies moving into the mid-market are still in that startup phase where they've got weird differentism going on. And, you know... I don't want to adopt standards because we're different. That's how we made our name. That's how we grew, you know. If they can afford it, if they can if afford, they can afford, afford it, it, they have to be able yeah. to adopt whatever they can get their hands on. Exactly. And
2: I also think what's important about that, I alluded to it earlier, is that, you know, there's there's this there's this all-important balance because if somebody thinks they want enterprise-class flexibility, it comes with enterprise-class complexity. Um, right. And a mid-market customer cannot cope with that. It doesn't work. And so that's something that we 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 spend a lot of time, you know, most of all understanding from our customers. So we make the right investments, but it is not trivial. And you'll get that, you'll get that chief people officer, for example, that worked for a very big company, went down market to a startup and brings all that baggage. And it doesn't, it doesn't end well.
0: Like what you hear so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by salary.com. Now back to the show.
1: So that brings us to question number two. To talk about the capabilities of HR in a midsize world, they are typically understaffed. They're typically a small, uh, a small group, typically generalists, that have to take on everything. And then there are challenges that HR technology presents them and can actually also help them, right? So there's a balance there. How does HR deal with HR technology in the midsize size
2: I, I think the most important thing they have to do is develop great relationships with their vendors. You know, the, the, thing, that, the thing that's the most important is in a larger environment, you'll have people there in-house that you can, you can consult with about how to use and leverage that technology. Mid-market customers have to rely on their provider. It's one of the reasons why they get so frustrated with support, because there's often this misalignment between expectations and reality. Right. And you know, if, if your only means for support, for example, is to call an 800 number, and you got a consultative problem, you know, you you get you get stuck really fast. And so it is it is really important that that organizations look at that with a pragmatic lens from what they can actually accomplish. And then to the point we were just discussing earlier, they're gonna have to, generally speaking, if they've made a good choice of a vendor that fits their business, use the tools as they've been provided, because you know, massive, massive configuration complexity and, and you know, customization just isn't, it's A, it's not an option. It's not sustainable.
1: And that's one of the problems is that a lot of times these mid-sized organizations, as you mentioned, they're small HR groups. They typically don't get the first dollar invested from IT in HR. And so they either have to take a model where they're outsourcing everything, including the technology to a vendor that can do it all, including payroll, Yep. And, and be able to get back to your point, be able to get back what they need, how they need it, and not have to do a lot of manual stuff to it in order to be able to deal with it. Because they don't have the time because they're also trying to solve for, as you mentioned before, cultural and societal issues. They're dealing with pandemics and they're actually having to solve problems that their business leaders, managers, and employees are facing. Yep. Absolutely. As being HR. So... I guess this, the, the next question in there is, does, the, does this mean that mid-sized companies typically adopt more of an outsourced IT model, or you know, like a, a software as a service? Or is it not just software as a service, but it's also technology as a service where they're actually getting a lot of these issues, whether it's customer service or, or otherwise, that are actually kind of borrowed as well, those resources?
2: Yeah, I think it's a great question. You know, I think there's a, you know, there's a there's a range of options here. You know, you take a small a smaller business, you know, 50 to 75 employees. A lot of them had got their starts on a PEO. They realize that right. what they need outgrows the PEO. So then where do they go? Well, then there's a gap because the PEO is doing everything. Right. But what really this customer wants to do is onboarding, recruiting, compensation, performance management, culture, payroll. engagement. Right. They don't want to do payroll or benefits because oh, they don't actually? have that expertise. <laughs> right. Well, yes. And so, and so there are there are solutions out there though that will help them make that transition. So you're going to see more and more managed services offers around right. benefits and payroll right. that support then the 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 organizations taking on the core competency of of the HR functions. And I think you'll see more of that especially companies transitioning from PEOs. Then when you you know when you hit that 500 employee threshold, you know, then you or higher, then all of a sudden you might graduate yet again, into one of those enterprise-class products.
1: Right, and, and you're going to have, alongside of that, you're going to hire a compensation manager. You'll probably hire a benefits manager, probably hire an HRIT slash payroll person. Once you hit that specific magic number and you start moving into the more enterprise-class company, you have to hire those specializations because those problems cannot necessarily be outsourced away, although they can, but you get a level of service with that. You have an expected level of service. You're going to get what you get and you can't get upset about it. So, you know, it's good and it's bad, but there are costs either way.
2: Exactly.
1: I grew up in the world, Larry, before outsourcing. And then outsourcing became the thing back in the early 90s. It became the thing to start having people, having consulting firms, having organizations take out away whether it's compensation or benefits or payroll or other things take it off your plate and there was that push and pull we we need to do it ourselves no we don't we can't we can't invest in all of that we need help you know these guys have technology they have the the people with the knowledge let's invest in them and so that push and pull continues to this day
2: yep for sure
1: Let's talk about our next question, which is, what are the lessons or examples that can help mid-sized companies figure out where they need to be on this journey and where could they be?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that, you know, uh, we talked about it at the very beginning, like, what are the business priorities? And, it, you know, it's always, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a trite response but it's always true and 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 where where does the where does the hr team need and want to have the most business impact and that varies from you know time to time and circumstance to circumstance. You know, I alluded it to earlier. You know, if you don't if you don't have your handle on recruiting and onboarding in this labor market, in this high in this climate, whether you're growing or not because your turnover is spiking, mm-hmm. you know, not much else matters. You know, you got to do all this stuff reasonably well. But if you're doing that poorly, you're at a massive disadvantage. You know, and so that's that's job number one. And so many organizations struggle to do that well. But more importantly, so many other organizations do it in a differentiated way. And so the bar is much higher. You've got to decide where you want to be on that continuum. And technology is only one element of that, of course, but it's a crucial one, you know, if you've got any kind of hiring velocity, whether it's the the talent acquisition side of it or the onboarding, you know, and then I think that the 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 day-to-day operation so the business doesn't get into this hell is really important. I alluded to this earlier, you know. Remote workers are creating major problems with compliance, managing taxing authorities and the like, and rarely do people that are working in these companies who've been in three states for a decade know what to do when all of a sudden they're in 13 Right. And, you know, listen, there is nothing worse than getting a frantic phone call from a CFO at a client company because they've got 10 states sending them tax notices and threatening, you know, to right. put liens on the business. And yeah. it does right. happen. And right. it's not because anybody does a lousy job. It's just the stuff gets ignored and and it doesn't blow up until that notice comes from the taxing authority, by the way, who will respond to your letter in like four months. <laughs> <If> <laughs> well, and I, and I
1: think. Yeah and and I think this is there's a little bit of an issue here with empowerment right do we give the employee the empowerment to update their own address records and do they know they have the opportunity to do that right so there's a little bit of ux issue here if the if the people in payroll or if the people who are responsible for payroll or the cfo knows that someone moved to another locale where they do not have either an SCN, or they don't have a um, FE, sorry an FEIN, where they aren't registered. Do they need? To, does the software let them know they're now in a new locale where they're going to need to collect either withholding or they're going to need to do reporting? Does it yes.
2: have? I know of one. It does. And let me tell you something. It still doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. We we have we have resorted to presenting the information every time you run payroll, presenting the information every time you address an employee tax record. You have employees in a state where you don't have an unemployment experience rate, right? But but so that's the
1: reason why notifications have become such an important part of the HR technology. Yep. Notifications, not just of the person who's responsible, but three levels <laughs> up to make sure that yeah. you know there's there's an important thing that's happening? Do you know that it's happening? Are you on top of this? Exactly. I, I think that goes to, you know, not just notifications and, and employee experience, but it goes to the sophistication of the, of the company and their ability to deal with things. And, you know, going back to the thing you mentioned before about analytics, analytics isn't going to solve for that tax issue. It's not. I mean, there's, a, there's no, that's right. I mean, it's a notification potentially, but, but, but so can we create though, analytics that do focus people on other issues that it could, and give those people in the mid-market an understanding about what's happening in their business so they can react to other things like, you know, whether it's the Great Resignation or the Great Awakening yep. or whatever we're calling it, you know, you're getting people who are leaving because this this termination reason. What you know, is that a compensation issue? Maybe. So... Do we then tie that notification to then open up the compensation and see if they're being paid fairly against their market? You know, all of that can be kind of linked together. I think what the problem is in the mid market, they typically don't have specific compensation experts. And so the technology kind of needs to do a little bit of that hand holding, don't you think?
2: Yep, absolutely. And, and some some of the things you'll start to see, I think, over the next few years is you'll start to see more and more of that because we, we've got to find these external sources of the data, whether it's compensation equity, market equity. You know, the example I always love to use is when you hire a hundred and first person in the state of California, the world just changed okay. for you. Right. And how and and I you know it shouldn't have to be I sent you an email it should be giant red flag pop up blinking light you just hired right. your hundred first person in California here's all the resources you need to deal with and here's some of the things the system just changed for you automatically in order to allow that to happen and and what's important there in all of these examples comp is another great one is that there's all this external data. That has not yet been, you know, kind of created in its in a granular enough form that it can be digested. And then, more importantly, the technology with the right APIs to consume it and use it. And interestingly, you know, Mineral is a very interesting company in that regard, doing some of that kind of breakthrough work around core compliance. But you know, there's been companies around for a while that have done that really well for taxes. You know, so that you know we don't companies like us don't have to worry about what the, what the withholding table rates are for the yep. state of Illinois. Yep. Yeah. That
1: kind of stuff. Yeah. One of our one of our partners, which will remain nameless, is a really big in the tax compliance world. But but like going a little bit further, APIs have been a really big boon for a lot of technologies, HR especially, where the ability to get the experience or the difference or the what's new, why is this important, the ability for APIs to be able to help be able to get experiences that other technologies have that other technologies have solved for is really critical and you know we've seen that specifically when we're talking about things like compensation where we we can get an API and go and ask for what's the hiring rate for XYZ job and you get back a minimum midpoint maximum or you get back a 25th median 75th on base salary. And then you can tell somebody in the right in the user experience, hey, you're hiring for this accountant job in California and LA. Here's what the starting rate is based on this API that we're going out to this other third-party company to get that data. That's really cool stuff. And to the extent at which HR has been able to utilize that, like so many other technologies have, hint ERPs, that, you know, we should be doing more of that, don't you think?
2: Without question. And I think it's there's, there's a couple of distinctions here because some of those APIs are relatively straightforward. They're passing credential data. You know, mm-hmm. the best example is when you feed somebody's accepted offer to an onboarding process. Sure. Pretty clean, pretty straightforward. But these others that are more dynamic, you know, that need to account for a sequence of events that then link to data, right? Those more, those more interesting ones, we're still not there yet. And there's two reasons why. One is because the sources of that data are often not all that technology savvy in the way they use it, and manage it, and expose it. And then the the complexity and the and the, the modernization of some of those API frameworks, while the technology exists, haven't matured enough yet. But you'll start to see that change more and more. And I think the mid-market will be the greatest beneficiaries of that because we have to be able to anticipate the things that are happening, did happen, or might happen. And as I said earlier, the only time they understand is just in time. Present it when it's actionable. Exactly. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So Larry, we've talked about the business problems facing mid-market clients and what can HR help them with. We've talked about some of the types of things that HR generalists in the mid-market world usually have to deal with. And then we've talked about some examples and lessons for those mid-market companies and, and for the HR teams. Anything else you want to put as a finer point before we close?
2: No, I, I just think that I think it's super important that the, that the world understands that those requirements are unique, and we have to account for them. That's it's as simple as it gets. And I think it's been underserved, for sure.
1: Outstanding. Well, Larry, thank you so much.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for
1: having me. Dwight, thank you. Thank you, and thanks for being here with us, Larry. And thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe. If you know somebody who might like it, please send it their way. Thank you very much. Take care, and stay safe.
0: That was the HR Data Labs Podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.